1: If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. So we don't get Tim the Lawyer as
0: he was known when he was a regular caller on the Armstrong and Getty show many, many years ago. We don't get Tim the Lawyer, Tim Sandifer in studio as much as we used to. But since you are in the studio today, Tim
2: Sandifer, Yeah, I love what you've done with the place. You are still bearded. I am. You know, it's been eight years that I've been that I've had a beard, wow. and you ask me every time. <laughs> yeah. what, what an idiot. You know? And, and
0: you're not carrying a trash can sized no. Soda.
2: Yeah, I used to. <laughs> like you used to. I used to, and and time caught up with me. I'm off carbonated beverages, I'm afraid. Really? Yeah. yeah. Couldn't take it anymore. Happens to everybody. Blew a gasket or something. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs>
3: on the beard and the soda. Before we get into the substance of our conversation with Tim about his fabulous new tome and other uh, constitutional issues in America, two things. Number one. And I think this will be uh, good for you to hear. Uh, you know those warnings like on a McDonald's pie, the hot apple pie that says, cont- cont- caution, content f- mm-hmm. may be hot, filling may be hot? And we've always asked, who are those for? Well, they're for me. For the second day in a row, I've gotten a brand new hot cup of coffee, gotten into a brief conversation with somebody, then swigged down an enormous mouthful and burnt my tongue in my mouth and, and cried out in, in pain, fury, and humiliation.
2: <laughs> so those warnings are for me. Gotcha. I sympathize, man. I drew blood eating shrimp twice in a row a few weeks ago it was uh, oh. uh how do you how do you manage to i cut my hand with shrimp tails at two separate meals on two successive days wow. till there was blood running down my hand how does somebody do that i don't know but yeah, i soup. managed to
3: do it I've, I've never thought of prawns as a weapon you're a lawyer why didn't you sue somebody Second thing, do you agree with uh, Jack in my interpretation of the Eighth Amendment, uh, its prohibition against cruel and unusual punishment, if something is merely cruel or merely unusual, like being berated by clowns, that would be unusual? It's permitted under the Eighth Amendment. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, that's right. All right. So it's going to be go. cruel and unusual. That's right. Okay. Right. Uh, so, listen, uh, I have intentionally, and it's taken some self-control, not looked up the name Jacob Bronowski— Tim's uh, latest book, and Tim is the author of a number of absolutely fabulous books about constitutional rights and property rights, and, and uh, fairly recently, Frederick Douglass, Self-Made Man, which is just terrific about that great, great American. Um, so when I saw your new book, is The Ascent of Jacob Bernowski... I- I th- I've never heard of this human in my life. I intentionally did not look it up. Sounds like a Cohen Brothers character.
2: Yeah, <laughs> who who is this human, and why did you take your valuable time to write a book I, about it? I was looking for a subject that had absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with law. Hmm. And so I'm speaking today, later today at noon, I'm speaking to the Federal Society about my new book, and I, the assignment is to find some way to relate it to law, which is going to be very challenging. But no. So you need
0: a subject you considered Moses lack, but you decided this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, his name is almost as exotic. Jacob Bronowski was a, a scientist and philosopher who lived from 1908 to 1974, and those few people who remember him still today will remember him for his classic 1973 television miniseries, The Ascent of Man, which aired on PBS, and it's this lavish 13-hour documentary on the history of science. And I I watched it when I was in college, and I got interested in, in Bernofsky himself, and it turned out that he was a fascinating person who knew everybody or was involved with everything interesting that happened in the 20th century. Wow. He was the head of the British mission sent to assess the effects of the atomic bombs at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. He was best friends with Leo Szilard, who invented the atomic bomb, but also with Samuel Beckett, who was uh, he, he, the two of them wrote a book together. He was friends with people like T.S. Eliot and, and uh, Dylan Thomas. He co-founded the Salk Institute in La Jolla with Jonas Salk. He was a fascinating guy. He wrote he wrote a radio play that won the equivalent of an Emmy in 1950. He wrote a, an opera. He proved that Australopithecus africanus is a human relative by using a sophisticated mathematical ag- algorithm because that was his that was his specialty was mm-hmm. mathematics, and he revolutionized the understanding of the 18th century poet William Blake. So he was one of these. These renaissance men who just was a fascinating figure, and I thought, nobody's ever written a biography of him, so I should.
0: Wow. It's interesting how some people, I, when, when regularly when I'm reading history, and I do it all the time, you come across a story or a person, and you think, how come I've never heard this before? Yeah, how right. come people, some things just get lost to history. <laughs> amazing people and amazing stories that just... For whatever reason, don't make the cut. Right.
3: The under-discussed and over-discussed. How much do we know about Marilyn
2: Monroe? <laughs> <He's> one of, <laughs> one yeah, of his exactly. contemporaries. Seriously. Yeah, compared or, compared or, to know, somebody... Mickey Mantle, for that matter. And Bernofsky was a celebrity in his day. He was, he was a big enough name in Great Britain for 20 or 30 years that you know taxi drivers would hail him on the street. He's even mentioned in a Monty Python skit, The Exploding Penguin, when oh. one character says to another, uh, you know, why is there a penguin on the telly? And the other says, who am I, Blood- Dr. Bloody Bernofsky? Because he was that... <laughs> That well known. <laughs> wow! I, wow! I, I was totally that's wasted funny. on money. The problem that's was funny. he he died in August of seventy four. Only a uh, months before his show aired in the United States, oh. and so right when he was on the cusp of becoming a, a a really famous figure in the United States, where he had lived for a decade by that time, he was gone. And so he vanished from the scene, and everybody forgot about him. And uh, it I think that's a real shame. So I thought I I decided I decided to try and bring more interest to what he did and and, uh, analyze his philosophical writing and his literary work and stuff. The problem was he was involved in so many things and knew so many things that it took that it took a long time for me to learn enough about those things to be able to talk intelligently about it. So I've been working wow. on this book for 20 years Wow! since I was a senior in college, and it is finally done and finally published, and it's called The Ascent of B- Jacob Bernofsky, and I hope you'll all buy it.
0: Speaking of getting published, was it difficult to go to somebody and say, I want to write about this person? They said, who? Can't you write about a founding father or something?
2: <laughs> fortunately, I found the publishers who who did remember who Bernofsky was, and that that, that worked out. But, yeah, it, there was some difficulty in that uh, a lot of the people that he knew are gone now. I did have the good fortune of interviewing some of them. Um, the, the coolest one was I got to have lunch with Francis Crick, who won the Nobel oh, Prize my. in the 1950s for discovering the structure of DNA. Yeah. The only Nobel Prize winner ever to buy me lunch. <laughs> uh, and uh, that was that was by far the coolest part of, of the research. And did you find the old chap to be uh, stimulating? In Wonderfully, the, in, yeah. It was this was this was uh, while the O.J. Simpson trial was going on, and I asked him what he thought about people <laughs> ignoring DNA evidence in trials. Oh, and oh he wow, said, good one. He said, "Well, I guess you have to know how the American legal system works." And he had so much scorn in his voice when he said the word "legal," yeah. but I didn't mention that I was in law school at the time. Yeah. Um, but huh. he was he was a wonderful uh, wonderful gentleman, and he. He, I remember very distinctly on the way back from the restaurant him explaining to me the then newly discovered eyeless gene, which is the gene that if you knock it out, uh, the, a fruit fly or whatever will be born without eyes. And this is one of the oldest genes in the genome. It's called a Hox gene. It's been around since the, the dawn of evolutionary time. And it's the same gene that we have in our own bodies to control the development of eyes wow. in the embryo. So years later, I was reading a book about genetics and I ran across this the discussion of the eyeless gene, I thought, wait a minute, that Francis Crick himself explained that to me. That That's Over a really lunch. amazing experience in my life. Yeah, wow. no, no, yeah, absolutely. But Crick and Bernofsky were good friends. In fact, um, before his death, uh, Crick was using the same office that Bernofsky had used down at the Salk Institute in San Diego.
0: I, this just flitted into my head. I'm like a, an eyed fruit fly in terms of my <laughs> ability to pay attention. This just flitted into my head. What do you when you get up in the morning? What do you what do you check news wise like for what's going on in the world? Like Twitter. what's your first thing? Twitter. That's it. And then like, what? How do you structure your feed? How many what people do you, do you follow? Yeah.
2: Uh, I follow quite a lot of people. I don't remember, somewhere around maybe a thousand. Something like that. What what tends to be at the the top of the year list? Too? I follow thirteen hundred. Like are they news publications or people? Uh, or I, I yeah people primarily. In fact, just uh I, just this morning I was thinking of writing a tweet about what I, who I would uh recommend for the Nobel or for the Pulitzer Prize if I were in charge of the new of the Pulitzer Prize and the three names are are John Ziegler, um uh, Elizabeth Nolan Brown at Reason. And Robbie Soave at
3: Reason. Oh, yeah, I, think I love the, Robbie. The three
2: yeah. of them are just are, are the real journalists that are still working today. And of course, Dan Walters. Since I'm in Sacramento, I need to mention the only remaining journalist in the state of California. Um, Dan is
3: legendary. He's amazing. He's, a, he's one of the great clear-eyed
2: writers I about d- California. I just wish his articles would be three or four times as long as they are.
0: Did you read uh, the, the 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 transcript of what the uh, editor there at the New York Times said last week to his crowd. Yes, I, mean, I did. It's, it's just incredible where we that that might be the most important newspaper in the world, or at least formally was. And in the direction they're willing to go,
2: it's it's troubling. Com- expecting a newspaper that recently ran articles such as "Women in the Soviet Union had better sex under communism." And uh, the Soviet space program was better for women's equality. Expecting a newspaper or even calling it a newspaper when it runs articles like that, I think is excessive. I think The New York Times has clearly gone off the deep end into not just leftist partisanship, which, you know, is kind of expected in the media, but in the most extreme form of it. And the same is true of CNN. I mean, I love C, I love CNN, but it's like day after day. It's just it's become a partisan uh, uh, Enterprise. I I, I can't to the stand point of
3: absurdity
2: to, in my it, opinion. Very I mean, so. it's
3: just you can't even take it seriously. And
0: it's
2: as bad for the left as it is for the right.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Over time, of course, it is going to be. And it just it's it's surprising to me that people of that caliber. I assume you have to have. Uh, you know, some pretty good credentials to end up being in the newsroom at the New York Times. I
2: would hope, but I don't know. And, and, and you're e- willing to abandon journalistic
0: principles because you hate Trump so much. And it's you so cheap.
2: Living. It's so cheap and 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 easy to do to make everything be about Donald Trump. I mean, I'm I'm I, everybody who follows me on Twitter knows my views on on the president. But the it's so easy to just make it a series of not even in, uh, often not even accurate uh, slams on the president day after day after day instead of the kind of of sophisticated in-depth research and reporting that takes a lot of work and and is a is sometimes very frustrating when you're doing it because you have to fact check everything twice and three times and and when you see people who do it well like the people I've mentioned Elizabeth Brown and Robbie Suave and John Ziegler it's it's a, a testament to the continuing eh, art form there's no market for that egghead you shut know up. that's true you <laughs> that's may true. Have lunched with crick but that's, i'm telling you to shut that's up. that's <laughs> true in fact well it does relate it relates to bernowski in the sense that i i i think there's i think there are people out there who have a hunger for the the kind of sophisticated intelligent Discussion. It doesn't have to be egg-headed craziness, but but something that has a, some degree of smarts to it. Just Bernofsky was really good at that. Not idiotic. Yeah. Why don't right. we start there? Is that too much to ask?
0: Well, you believe in do- d- self-government. Do you think we've reached a point where we can't govern ourselves because uh, Pete, there's not a hunger for people who take the time to figure out what's real, whether it fits with what you want it to be or not?
2: Are you talking about California or the nation? The nation. Okay. Well, then you no, know, I don't think we've I don't think we've reached bottom there. California i I don't know, I, I honestly I, I'm really am pessimistic about the possibility of any kind of reform in California. I think California has gone so far in the direction of taking the the easy, emotionalistic, sound good answer over hard realities and is so unwilling to face reality that I think it's going to be a long, hard struggle before California is able to to write itself. But you know, I'm a pessimistic person, maybe I'm wrong. I mean you you, you talk to Tom McClintock. And he'll always say, Oh, California, there's no reason in the world why like California couldn't change tomorrow and become a, you know, a livable, thriving economy. Like, but I don't buy it. Well, why don't, we, <laughs> why don't we talk
3: about a couple of the big stories in the news today with uh, Tim Sandifer, Vice President for Litigation, of the Goldwater Institute. His new book, which sounds fascinating, is The Ascent of Jacob Bronowski. Uh, more to come. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. strong and getty
0: show you'd think we'd have something other
3: than the law and order theme when we have lawyers on it's the best we can do we i mean and getty show get strong. over it <laughs> tim sandifer is with us tim the lawyer vice president for litigation the goldwater institute his new book is the ascent of jacob brunovsky somebody i uh, had heard of but hadn't realized i'd heard of because i was familiar with the ascent of men sounds like absolutely a fascinating read about a fascinating guy um, but to talk about some of the things that are in the news right now, again, uh, though we are nationwide these days and, and happy to be, uh, Cal Unicornia continues to make news, including the idea of uh, letting children vote, beginning with 17 year olds now, I know my way around a sentence. I know some pretty words, but you're way better than me. What do you think of uh, extending the vote to teenagers?
2: Well, I, a part of me says let them because the teenagers aren't going to vote. I mean, every year it's the same thing. Every election is the same thing. It's rock the vote and get the get the young vote out and they go register to vote and everything. And, and, and especially the Democrats get very excited about all this. And then the, then they don't show up to vote because they got another things they're worried about. Um, but... As you've said, and I, I think it's totally true, is that the effort to, to round up people who are too young to know how the world works and get them to vote is very indicative of the worldview of those who are, who are behind that effort. It's precisely because leftist political philosophy is so emotionally appealing, but is in fact uh, uh, both unworkable and, in the last analysis, immoral. That the, the there's an effort to recruit people who have not had enough experience or education in the world to to understand its shortcomings, because they'll inevitably vote for that for that goal. So, right, that which makes them feel good.
0: We got on the topic of uh, being uh, pessimistic, and I I wonder how you're not pessimistic with a lot of what's going on. But you said your your own book. Uh, Touches on that.
2: Yeah, well, Bernofsky was living uh, at a time during the the rise of the hippie movement. He was very worried about the rise of the hippie movement because he thought it was a reactionary anti-technology, anti-progress ideology that really threatened to undermine the future of the West. Bernofsky himself was actually a socialist, but he was one of those old-fashioned technologically, uh, technical progressive kind of socialists, not not like a throwback anti-technology type. And he was very worried about uh, about this, and in fact, he talked about it in in the last episode of the Ascent of Man. If you haven't seen this documentary, you really must. I think it's the best documentary ever Where made. Where can I find it? It's it's available on DVD, and you and can it find it holds up. Yeah, oh, very much so. The the costumes are a little funny because it's 1973, but but absolutely. And in the last episode, I mean, the, almost the entire episode was filmed as a spontaneous one-hour monologue by Bernofsky because he was such a good speaker that he he could just talk to the camera, and, and they would write down what he said, and that was the book awesome. version of the documentary because he was so interesting and he talks about this in the last episode and he says he says i have it here he says i feel i am infinitely saddened to find myself suddenly surrounded in the west by a sense of a terrible loss of nerve and a retreat from knowledge into into what into zen buddhism into falsely profound questions about are we not just really animals at bottom into extrasensory perception and mystery that do not lie along the line of what we are able to know if we devote ourselves to an understanding of man bernaski is really worried about this this backlash against science and reason that he saw beginning in the late 60s and that have taken over large parts of our society wow that is that is great so you can get a book version of the uh the documentary yeah, which is basically a transcript of yeah, the, of the okay. documentary although Fabulous. we
3: want people to read your book yes the ascent of jacob bronowski available where fine books are traded i assume Tim the lawyer, Tim Sandifer, Vice President for Litigation of the Goldwater Institute, a fan and co-host favorite for Many Many Moons, along
2: with his delightful and brilliant bride. Uh good to talk to you, Tim. I'll be, Thanks, and mate. I'll be talking about the book today in Sacramento, California. If you happen to be in town, go to timthelawyer.com to find information about it.
0: Absolutely fantastic. We got Marshall's news next. A couple of different polls have come out today. We ought to take a look at among other things on the Armstrong and Getty show.